0: and um... The sound of your name, I sing with joy. Sound of your name, I sing for joy.
1: Okay, let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you that we have this time set aside today and tomorrow just to think a little bit more about you, just to engage with your word. We thank you for Mark, who has prepared for us and is going to lead us through these sessions together. And we do pray that you would help us to listen. We pray that your spirit would be at work in our hearts, and we pray that you would change us as a result of having met with you through this particular weekend. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. 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 Okay, so I said that um, we were going to do an interview, and I've asked uh, Rob and Joe um, just if they would be happy just to be asked a few questions, and um, and they are, uh, which is great, which is encouraging. They've had a few things going on just lately, so I thought it would just be good to talk to them. So it looks like most people are on mute. I just need to find them on my thing as we saw there we go there they are brilliant yeah and they've come off mute well done guys good morning good morning. Um, good morning so are you are you well first of all yes yes good you're looking well yeah you're looking good so <laughs> uh, yeah encouraging so just a few questions just to, just to try and fill people in so we know what we're uh, doing because obviously we're not able to see each other as well as we can out of lockdown and different things so it's been a while uh, but what has been going on in your life over the last few weeks and months? Big things have been happening, I guess.
2: Right, okay, I'll go first on the flight. I'm still at work, or I'm working from home. Um, So uh, what you see is the man cave um, that I sing in at the weekends. Uh, That is actually my office through the week. So I'm I'm there working most days, uh, but enjoying a bit of flexibility about that too. I guess work is, is not the best environment to be in at the moment. And, you know, I enjoy my work, but it's, um, there's redundancies and reorganizations and the, the threat of COVID and restrictions on what we do and things like that. Um, so we're going through, through the mill a bit in terms of uh, job losses and things like that. So about 5,000 people have already left the business this year. This is Rolls Royce.
1: Um,
2: and yeah, I, I found out this week, to be thankful for, I, I am actually safe in it all, um, but I know enough, an awful lot of people around me aren't. There are people been declared at risk and such like, so um, it's not the best environment. Um, a lot of conversations with people who are, who are a bit worried. So yeah, that's kind of what's going on with me and with work.
3: Yeah. Um, so, for me, lockdown started very quietly, um, and I was furloughed from work, um, and in some respects, that was positive. In other respects, that was difficult. My dad, who lives in Norfolk, my parents are in Norfolk, became very ill in that period. Obviously, I wasn't able to visit initially, so that was really difficult. Um, and then I made the decision in July to um, Finished my work. So I handed my notice in July, finished in August. So I was then able to spend more time helping to care for my dad, who had a major operation in Papworth, wasn't expected to come through. But yes, thankfully, praise God, he did and is doing well. So I have spent the last few months backwards to Norfolk. So that's been quite a busy period. Um, so yes, definite ups and downs. Um, thankfully. My parents made a decision to sell the house in Norfolk and are going to be coming to move hopefully about 10 minutes away from us. So um life will get a lot easier. So yes.
1: Very good. Yeah, and, and also it, you've gone down to two rather than three.
3: Yes, yeah. Dan of course went off to university at the UEA in Norwich in September to do medicine. Um so that's yeah, being challenging in itself. I have to confess that I have cried quite a lot. I'm missing him lots. lot. <laughs> Lockdown had meant obviously that I was seeing him much more when he was at home and we were spending much more time and quality time together. So um, yes, when he left on the 20th of September, yes, I missed him and I'm still missing him lots. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, lots going on with jobs and family and different things. But what would you say for you? Have, have you found most challenging about the lockdown? Right. I mean,
2: I think for both of us, actually, lockdown in itself, in a strange way, we kind of enjoyed. Because uh, I've been at home. There's been flexibility about being at home as well. So when Joanne's had to be in Norfolk, I was able to work from Norfolk as well. Um, and we've enjoyed the time together and the time with Dan before he we went. Um, yeah, and, and just being able to come back into the house for a cup of coffee rather than make myself one of the mashing points at work, you know, is, is great. Uh, I guess for me, one of the big challenges is um, I do this video link conferencing thing eight hours a day, and that's just drains your energy. And it's not the same as actually being able to walk around the office and talk to people and interact with people and work with them. Um, But I I do find that difficult. Um, Yeah. But, on the whole, I quite like the man cave, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're great, aren't they? (laughs)
3: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the most difficult thing, I mean, I think for us as a couple and our marriage, actually, it's been a really positive thing. Um, That's been really great and getting out and walking lots and things like that. So in that respect, that has been great. And we've been really thankful for that and thankful that, yeah, we've had each other and had the garden and have nice places to walk. So yeah, I think in that respect, we're really blessed. But yeah. The difficult thing is not seeing people face to face isn't it you know you can text whatsapp zoom all of that and that's great and the technology is a real blessing however it's not the same as just seeing people face to face and yeah you miss that terribly don't you and that's the same for us all
1: yeah 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 no, i totally understand that yeah 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 but you're right i mean positives and negatives i guess Yeah, challenges challenges and good things as well rewards i guess so that's great isn't it during the lockdown able to look positively and uh, negatively at what's going on um just finally i mean this may you may have already answered this but any particular prayer requests for us um as a church so we when we're praying for you we could know what to be praying for uh, well for me one of the things at the moment and with the the
2: difficulties at work is having the right attitude towards work um you know uh it's a hard environment at the moment. Sometimes some of the things that the leadership do, I don't hold with, but they're still the leadership. Yeah, they're, they're still my bosses at work. Uh, and I still need to work for them as, as if working for the Lord. And I think that's, uh, that's an ongoing challenge. And, I, and I'm sure a lot of people at this time will probably sympathize with that as well. Um, so, so there's that. We appreciate prayer for Dan as well. Um, lockdown obviously is pretty hard and he's just getting used to university life and it's not quite the same as university life has been the other year Uh, and it's got its own challenges so we do want prayer for him too
3: and i think just for all of us church and that isn't it it's just the prayer that we keep walking with the lord and that we can continue to encourage people um and ultimately, that we can look to God, we know He's there with us. I mean, that's what's amazing, thing. Whatever our circumstances, isn't there? However lonely we may be feeling, He is there with us. And I mean, that's just amazing, isn't it? And I think we've all been really blessed by having that and being able to just look to Him, our rock, and just, yeah, just trust in Him and rest in Him.
1: Great. Yeah, that, that, great to hear. Thank you, uh, both of you. It's, uh, it's good to be able to, to hear you sharing. Um, so thank you for that. Um, let me pray and then we can uh, head, carry on and think about what we're, we're doing again this morning. Let's pray together, shall we? So well, I do thank you for the fact that you continue to sustain and strengthen and be with through all walks of life. I've um, said it many times, but lockdown doesn't lock you down and You continue to work and we continue to face um, good times and bad times. And just to hear from Rob and Joe, work situations, family situations, all that's happening. Thank you that they have a desire to want to stay close to you. Um, I thank you for all they do. Joe, we've been part of the planning team for this weekend, Rob in the music and everything else. We pray for him and his work situation. You'd help him to continue to serve, uh, to serve you in that situation and see that bigger picture. Uh, and we do pray for family as well, uh, for Joe's woman dad uh, wanting to move over and all the things that that involves, all the complications and challenges. And we do pray for Dan. Lord, we pray that you would help him to settle over in E.A. Uh, very much harder this time than it would have been last year. And we pray that you would continue to be his strength and sustain him and help him. Father, please uh, continue to be with them and to be with all of us. Help us to keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus, we pray. Help us. Uh, as, as a result of this weekend to be encouraged and challenged in our walk with you so that we may do just that so please help us and encourage us and be with rob and joe through all the challenges that they're facing we pray in jesus name we ask amen okay so um uh let me just find mark so we, uh, where are we going oh, sorry i've only got four things on my new device so i can only see four people at a time and there's loads of people here this morning. Hello, everybody. This is great. <laughs> good to see you all. Um, oh, there you are. Great. You're still there, Mark. Fantastic. Okay. So, uh, Mark, I'm going to hand over to you, if that's, uh, if that's okay, if you're ready. Um, I, I, you'll notice I haven't done a reading. I presume that you're okay to sort of slot that in at some point. Is that? Is that... That's great. That's great. Okay, good. In that case, um, I'll hand over to you. And when you're done, hand back, and we'll we'll split into the breakout rooms. Thank you, Mark. Great.
4: Sorry, Zoom
1: zoo Master here. Can you, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, j- just a tip for everyone, if you can, if you've got the option to go to speaker view, um, some of you may not have, but you've got the option speaker view or gallery view, while Mark's speaking, you might find it better to be on speaker view because that'll just allow you to see Mark and not everybody else, um, so just a tip there. Sorry, Mark, over to you.
4: Great, thank you, John. So um, before I go to the Bible reading, um, if you have um, pen and paper handy, um, ideally a big thick black felt tip or sharpie or something like that or a scrub board or something similar um, and as we go through the reading listen out, listen out for a few of the repeated words um, we're looking particularly at Nehemiah's prayer in the Bible reading so look out for some repeated words and later on there'll be a chance to kind of share that on screen and uh, with everybody else so let's hear uh, God's word again. God. I'm reading from um, Nehemiah um, chapter one and from verse four Picking up where we left off last night. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer. Your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant, Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant, Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. I was cut to the king. Father I pray as we look at this passage together today in different places, Lord we pray that you would very much um, be present um, with each one of us in a known and felt way and that there would be a sense of assembling fellowship around your word we ask. Amen. Amen. So I want to share um, my screen very briefly. Um, You should see now hopefully in your screens um, a slide which says Nehemiah, session one, responding to ruins, which is, of course, the title to our first session. I'll show two pictures. The first is a picture from a recent-ish news clip, which you may well recognise. It's Beirut following the bombing uh, there. A devastating scene, a scene of ruins and people walking around looking and dazed and shocked at what they see there. The second is a different kind of ruins, one which we're more familiar with in the UK. The stay at home sign, which we're all familiar with, um, symbolising national lockdown, which for many people represents the ruins of the world which they had hoped for. I want to meet a few people, two couples first of all. The first is Robert and Fiona. Robert worked as a restaurant manager and Fiona was a teacher. They became Christians three years ago and they were really excited about what it was to be a Christian, about serving to God God together. They started well. They read the Bibles every day and they prayed. They looked forward to Jason preach on a Sunday morning. Robert was reading a Bible one-to-one with a colleague from work. Uh, Fiona was really invested in the church groups. They hosted a Christian Explored course um, on a weekly basis. They wanted to share Christ very much with the people they met. Then Fiona became pregnant with her first child. They were understandably delighted and excited, but Ben, their first child was born with several palsy. Understandably, Fiona decided to prioritise caring for Ben and gave up her job to look after him and that stretched them financially and then in May with COVID-19, Robert who worked as a restaurant manager lost his job when the restaurant he worked at closed due to COVID-19 and the financial pressures upon them as a result of that became really quite severe. This wasn't the Christian life they expected. Their hopes it seemed, were in ruins. How should they respond? And what does the book of Nehemiah say to them? Meet a different couple, Norman and Jane, in their late 60s. They have three grown-up children, several grandchildren. At one level, they're doing well. They've got a good pension, a nice home, a nice car. They've been on lots of lovely holidays. When church went online, they engaged. Um, They meet others by Zoom. But they feel really frustrated and fearful. They planned a, a once-in-a-lifetime holiday to New Zealand. That's being cancelled because of COVID. They're also fearful because of the implications of COVID-19. What happens if they get it? What if they become ill? What if they end up in hospital, like many of the people they've seen on the news? How should they respond? And what does the book of Nehemiah say to them? Meet lastly Nehemiah he's writing 446 years before Christ. There's a big gap between his world and the world of Jesus Christ, and an even bigger gap between his world and our world. I want Robert and Fiona, Norman and Jane to meet with Nehemiah, because Nehemiah will help them to see that their destination as believers will make sense of their journey and their experiences Meeting Nehemiah will help all four of them to centre themselves in God's purposes for their lives. If they listen to him, they will be able to say in the end that their lives have not been wasted, but that they have been redeemed. So if you're following on your um, piece of paper, you'll see it's an outline for this morning's uh, message, starting with pressures. And really the pressures on Nehemiah He's a son, verse one we're told, of Hakaliah. He's living in Susa. That's the winter capital of the Persian Empire in what is modern day Iran. It's also the winter residence of the emperor. In verse 11, the last verse which we looked at and I reading this morning, we find out that he is cupbearer to the king. Um, if you are a fan of Downton Abbey, you might think of someone like Carson the butler. And in a way, he is a bit like Carson the butler. If you cross Carson the butler with someone like Dominic Cummings, the special advisor to Boris Johnson, he has that kind of dual role. Yes, he'll check the wine to make sure it's not poisoned before he serves it to the king. But he's also a trusted advisor. The king trusts him to test it's not poisoned. I often talk to him about the things which are on his mind. He is there in this position of influence, and the thing to note at this point is, he's not a religious professional, he's not being set aside for religious duties, he's a civil servant in a position of influence. I wonder if you can imagine his life, a life of real luxury. He's flourishing, he's doing well, but he's about to be tested, his practice will we tested in a moment. And who will he choose? Will he choose to serve King Artaxerxes I or will he choose to serve a higher king? Mark Green um, in a letter to the supporters of the London Institute of Contemporary um, Christianity said this, there are about four million Christians, he said, in Great Britain but only a hundred thousand ministers, pastors, vicars and the like. He said if we want to win Britain it will be done by equipping the four million for ministry wherever God places them. We will do it when the four million are equipped to bring biblical values to bear in discussions, in offices and boardrooms and factories and hospitals, is what Rob was talking about in his interview moments ago. His role in this position with King Artaxerxes was key. And here's a problem. We see it in verses two and three for Nehemiah. He's in exile. He's about a thousand miles from Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, the centre of Jewish worship. and We find out here, and the background's key to this, that the people of God had been in the wrong place. But now they've been allowed to go back home to Jerusalem. They're in the right place. But the report which Nehemiah gets from his brother is that they are, we read, in great trouble and disgrace because that place, the right place, was not as it should be. Its walls were broken down and its gates had been and were still destroyed by fire. I think at this point, this is a guy who is really into the National Trust. He likes the, the restoration project. He wants to see this rebuilt. That isn't what this is about. This is about the concept that Jerusalem stands for. You see, for the Jews, Jerusalem was a center of God's purposes. The root of the idea is back in Eden, where God puts a people to call his own in a place that he created, God's people, God's place, under God's blessing and rule. And even that meant beauty, harmony, a thick peace which could be known and felt. But of course, in Genesis 3, God's people rebelled against his rules and they were exiled from the place. And in one sense, the rest of the Bible was about God rebuilding his purposes gathering of people in his place under his blessing and rule and the Old Testament that's Jerusalem it's meant to be a place where people came God gathered them to um, where they could be under his blessing and rule and it's going to be a model it's meant to be a model of what God would do for the rest of the world the rest of the world is meant to look at Jerusalem and say wow can I be in that place too can I also enjoy God's blessing and rule But God's people hadn't kept their side of the bargain. Once again, like in Eden, they'd been exiled from the place. Seventy years after exile in Osiris, they come back, as we learned last night. The temple, signifying God's presence in the city, had now been rebuilt. But the walls, representing the strength, the security, the safety, the salvation of the city, were still in ruins and the gates destroyed. And of course, with that, God's honor and purposes were at stake. If the wall signifying God's protection of his people were in ruins, what does that say about God's ability to keep his people safe? And how does that leave the people? And so when Nehemiah gets this news from Jerusalem, it's a shock to him. It's something which horrifies him because God's honor and purposes mean everything to him. And here's the pressure point. He's doing really well. He's had a happy life in exile under Artaxerxes I, the emperor of the world's superpower. But he feels a pinch, I don't know if you've felt a pinch before, perhaps trapped your skin, um, uh, you know, on a leg, on a desk or something like that, and you felt it and it's a, a, a kind of pinch of pain. Well here, the pinch between the good life he's enjoying and God's honour and purposes cause him great pain I wonder if you felt like that, how doing the right thing for God has pinched with the good life which we enjoy. And so we see next priorities. Um, we'll find that Nehemiah is a man who is a doer. We'll see that through the rest of the book. He's kind of like the Richard Branson of uh, this world. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, with whom you all know, um, said this, action expresses priorities what we do express the priorities of our hearts so what does Nehemiah do when he hears these reports of ruins verse 4 we read he sat down he sat down and wept now when you hear that for the Jewish year when somebody sits down and weeps it's A trigger point, a moment where they think, ah, something in God's purposes is going wrong, deeply wrong. And so we find out that when Nehemiah hears that things aren't right in God's place, he has one instinctive reaction. He sits down immediately as soon as he hears news and weeps. It's not just a momentary thing, a temporary action. He continues mourning and fasting for some days. This is something that lays heavily upon his heart. And so we see that Nehemiah may well have been soaked in the royal atmosphere of a foreign king, but he hadn't lost his spiritual passion. He isn't indifferent to God's purposes. The broadcaster Trevor MacDonald, um, who you might remember, would often weep in his dressing room having delivered the national news, he would feel something of the pain of the stories that he was delivering. I wonder how many of us weep as we hear the national news, see the pictures on our TV screens. It's very easy for our emotions to become neutralized to the world that we see. When one of General Booth's um, workers was struggling to see any success in his work, General Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army you'll remember, Um, this worker sent a telegram to Booth asking for advice. He had a reply which consisted of two words, try tears, he said, and that is precisely the action which Nehemiah has to hear in the report of ruins from Jerusalem. It speaks volumes about who he loved and what he wanted from his life, if the Persian life, if the palace life was what he wanted, you would not have seen this reaction from Nehemiah. James Smith in his book, which you may be familiar with, You Are What You Love, says, you need to worship well because you are what you love and you worship what you love. And you might not love what you think. In the same book, Jay Smith invites us to imagine being shown the door to a room. To enter the room is to get what you wish for. not what you think you wish for, but what you deep down wish for. And he says, "Would you enter the room? In life, we enter rooms, situations, circumstances, not always of our own making. And our responses, like Nehemiah's, to such situations, reveals the loves, the loves we have prioritised in our hearts, the treasure of our hearts. And so what about you? What about me? What about our church lives? What loves have we prioritised? What do we really wish for? What do you most love in our community life together? And so we come to the third point prayer. And so at this point, I want to ask a question. We looked at the reading together today. Were there any key words, repeated words that cropped up? And at this point, if you've written anything down, do you want to just take your piece of paper and share the screen? I'll try and read it um, off the tiny little screens I have of each of you. S- uh, servant. I can certainly see at least one Servant. servant. Love. Rob, slipped up. Lord. Love. Prayer. Yeah, brilliant. Wept. Strikes out. Yeah. it's brilliant I mean, this prayer is is fascinating his first response Nehemiah is to the reports of ruins is to pray so just think about this um to pray is to articulate our trust in God it's to say to God we depend upon you Nehemiah as we'll see was a man of action if his response to the reports of ruins had been to go to action and that's often a temptation in my life um if it trusted in action, what would that have said about his trust in God, his dependence upon God? You see, prayer shows that he depended on God when under pressure. That was his first thing that he did. And his prayer is the prayer that changed everything. Prayer is the start of this great story. It's the start of every great story in God's purposes. This is a God-centered prayer, as you see from the word go in a God-centered book. When was the last time you prayed a prayer like this? It begins with God. Oh, Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. He begins with God, and he isn't quick to begin with himself. He knows who God is. These aren't empty words. This is a relational prayer that he prayers. A.W. Tozer the one on toes said, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Nehemiah says, "O oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. This is almighty God, high over all, who keeps his promises, who listens to his people. And one of the key words which you picked out was servants. And for me, that really changes the dynamic of this situation. What did you commit to when you chose, decided to follow Jesus? Was it to be a servant? A servant who follows the servant king? A servant who sees the example of someone like the Apostle Paul, who repeatedly described himself as a servant, a bondservant, even a slave. This is a guy he knew it was to be under command, the command of King Artaxerxes, but he knew that he was under a higher command, the command of a heavenly king. And that's really key. That changes his dynamic, the perspective of this story. He's also a guy who says boldly to God, verse 8, remember. Because he knows that God is a God who remembers his promises, who keeps his promises. And he prays God promises in this prayer. It's encouraging to us in our situation when we pray to pray with the Bible open, to use it as the launchpad, the springboard to our prayers. And look how it flows through here. He's very conscious of his sins. Coming close to God should bring us all close to remembering that we are sinful before him. And he confesses his sins. He doesn't try and isolate himself or exclude himself from it. It's we. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws. He knows that he is also a sinful man. But he knows that God is a promise-keeping God. And if people return to him, that there is a God who will listen in heaven to his prayers. He closes by saying... O oh, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today. It's very specific. This by granting him favor. He's being specific. He wants favor in the presence of who? In the presence of this man. And that's significant. He starts his prayer, O oh, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God. How does he see Artaxerxes the first? This man. In the face of God, he is but a man. And the people and problems that we face in life all have perspective in the light of God. So we're going to go now into discussion rooms.